With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and welcome to another show that's more fun than Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Hey, you can be Spicoli if you want to. Our special guest today will be Daryl Amy, and he's joining us today to tell us a little bit about growing revenue in a post-COVID-19 economy, how you can align sales and marketing, and also he's going to share with us some knowledge on the law of exponential revenue growth, something that I know all business people are interested in all the time. Daryl is a super expert at growing revenue in companies, and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation coming up in just a bit here. Um, I'm also going to be sharing a model that I created several years ago called the eight sides of self. And uh, I'll be sharing half of that, the first half of your uh, eight sides of yourself. And then next week on the podcast, I'll share the second four. Uh, so over the two weeks, you'll get the full eight sides of self right here on Better Than Before. Brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the Lot to Love event going on right now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Stand by. Daryl Amy is next on Better Than Before. If you're driven by an adventurous heart, you're in luck. The Subaru Outback is all new for 2020. With standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus up to 33 miles per gallon. An available 260 horsepower turbocharged engine, advanced technology and an extra large touchscreen. Welcome to the best Outback ever, the 2020 Subaru Outback. Join us for the Subaru Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com.
Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards, and today's guest is passionate about helping great companies grow revenue. We all need somebody like that, right? He's the author of the best-selling book, Revenue Growth Engine, How to Align Sales and Marketing to Drive and Accelerate Growth. He's the host of the Revenue Growth Podcast uh, on the C-Suite Radio Network, the same network that we are a part of, and he's also co-host of another podcast called Selling from the Heart. He's a member of the Forbes Business Council and a C-Suite Advisor. As a revenue growth strategist, he gets behind the scenes, rolls up his sleeves, and helps company owners, sales leaders, and marketing teams build revenue growth engines. I'd like for you to welcome to the show today my good friend, Daryl Amy. Daryl, how are you doing today? Tony, I'm fantastic. It's great to be on the show. You bet, man. Thanks for taking the time and, and coming on and sharing some really good stuff with our audience. You bet. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So how has COVID affected you? Are you you doing okay? Your family all doing fine? Yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, I was just remembering right before the uh, COVID crisis, literally the last place I visited was uh, the Sales 2.0 conference in Orlando, and we all went home. And, uh, you know, it's been interesting. I get very involved in helping businesses develop growth strategies. And so right now, it, we've actually been very busy helping organizations try to figure out a, a good path forward, whether, you know, they're one of the companies and you may be one of the companies if you're listening in where um, things, you know, have gone backwards and you've got to accelerate growth to be able to catch up. And there are other organizations that are just, you know, crushing it right now because demand for what they have has skyrocketed. In either way, we've been really busy helping organizations figure out their path forward so they can sustain growth in, in this new economy. I think everybody's bantering around the term new normal, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are going to be quite a few things that are going to be different that we're all going to have to adjust to as far as marketing and sales. So I'm interested. I'll let you dive right in on your thoughts. <laughs> you're, you're the expert on this. So your thoughts about it. Well, I think there are a number of things we've got to consider right now. Um, and the first one that is really, really important and is a, a fairly quick fix for most organizations who just need to pause and think about it is the message. What are you selling and what are your people buying? You know, if you think about it, I, I firmly believe that buyers don't buy products. Uh, it doesn't matter if you sell um, software, if you sell financial services, if you sell janitorial services. People don't buy your product or service. What they buy is the outcome that product or service delivers. Years ago, uh, Theodore Levitt, he was the father of modern marketing. He walked into his Harvard Business School class and he held up an electric drill bit. And he said, in the history of Home Depot or Lowe's or insert hardware store here, nobody has ever gone to buy a drill. What they bought was the hole that the drill made. And Seth Godin would take it a step further and say they didn't actually buy the hole. They bought the ability to drill the hole so they could hang the plaque on the wall and make themselves look good or make their wife happy. The point of all of this is, Tony, if you think about it, your product or service may not have changed, but the outcomes your clients want has likely changed. Gartner did research and they found out that before the crisis, people were, were looking for, if you were in the B2B space where, where I spend most of my time, they were looking for things like productivity, efficiency. Uh, but once the crisis happened, the buyers weren't buying productivity and efficiency. They were buying resiliency, flexibility, redundancy. So you may sell the exact same product you did before the crisis, but the way you talk about it needs to shift. 
And I really want to encourage all the listeners um, as an action point to just really think about what are the outcomes that your buyers are looking for right now. And you need to adjust your marketing message and your sales talk tracks to make sure you're selling what your uh, buyers are buying. That's awesome. So what are the levels that we, I mean, do you think there's going to be a large swing one way or the other from where things were before COVID? Boy, it's, it's so, uh, you know, I, I think the interesting thing, I, everyone's saying the new norm. I don't know if we know what the, the new norm is per se, but we do know there's some new dynamics that have become part of our culture. Uh, and so the obvious one is remote work, video conference, and, and the reach that that gives, um, you know, and in some ways we can all kind of go, oh man, you know, I miss the face to face and I, I, I miss going out to dinner and I, you know, I certainly can't wait for the face to face to come back. However, in the meantime, we've had the opportunity to look at our businesses in terms of, okay, well, there are some constraints for doing business virtually. What possibilities does that open up? And, you know, it's interesting if you look across just different, different types of businesses, my business in particular, where we used to fly out to clients' offices to do revenue growth strategies, obviously we're now doing those remotely over Zoom. And, and so for us, it's just allowed us to accelerate our speed to market to help clients uh, you know, begin accelerating their revenue growth faster. I was talking with a client in the Northeast today that provides technology services across five states in the Northeast. And they've been very dependent in their business model on going on site and being face to face. But what they've realized now is they can scale beyond their geography really easily because buyers, you know, it have really, uh, they're opened up to the possibility of transacting business over zoom over online meetings. And so I, I think a lot of us, you know, we're now that we're over the initial shock, um, and now that we've uh, pivoted and proven that we can adjust far faster than we ever thought we could, I think it's a really good time for us to look forward and go, okay, well, I may not know what the future exactly holds. I may not know what the new norm is. However, what possibilities have opened up in my business now because of the shift in the way we do things in our culture? You know, we say on the C-suite network, Tony, you know, drive and thrive, right? This is the time to drive and thrive. And I think, you know, at, yes, it's been challenging. Yes, it's been, you know, there's so, it's so much of it is a total bummer. However, I think a lot of businesses have the opportunity to look and go, okay, well, what possibilities does this environment open up for us? So, you know, one of the things I want to talk to you about too, and I, I want you to um, give us a pre and a post if if they're different. But, you know, one thing companies I think always kind of struggle with is how much should we be growing and what should we set for our targets as far as growth is concerned? How's that changed? What was it like before the COVID crisis and what is it going <laughs> to look like going forward? Well, I laugh because uh, you know I've, my observation of working with organizations and helping them develop revenue growth strategies that always begins with a conversation around growth goals. And um, my observation was that by and large, companies had two ways of setting growth goals before the COVID crisis. Um, one was the spaghetti on the wall method, and 
we can kind of laugh about that, but you know, a lot of times companies set a goal at the beginning of the year and then they don't look at it and they come back at the end of the year and go, we hit it. We didn't, it wasn't really based on any reality. Um, the other way that's far more common is what I call the ruler method where we go, okay, we know what our growth trajectory has been over the last three years. So we've been growing at 10.5% year over year. So let's set our goal for next year at 10.5%. It's a conservative way to go about doing things. And it works well when the economy is going in the right direction, even though you might be leaving money on the table using the ruler method. The problem right now, though, is the ruler method uh, is not a good thing. It's pointing in the wrong direction for most organizations. <laughs> you know, they say in the investment world, the trend is your friend. But if your revenue just dropped, uh, the trend is not your friend. So how do you set goals going forward? Uh, and this is a really, really common question we ask, we get asked because, you know, how, how do we figure this out? How do we set something realistic? And I think the way to do it is to just go down one level and ask yourself the question, what drives revenue? What are the sources of revenue? And I believe that if you boil it down to the most basic level, there really are only two ways to grow revenue. We get net new customers and we sell more to our current customers. So net new and cross sell. And the measurements for those are actually really simple. The first net new is how many customers do we have? And I've got a baseline now that I can set a growth goal on. If I have a thousand customers now, I can set goals to grow the number of customers. The second me measurement is what is my revenue per customer, which is actually simple math. Take your total revenue for the period, divide it by your number of customers, and now you have a baseline for your revenue per customer. Now, what I recommend is both is companies, rather than looking at that total revenue number, go, okay, hey, realistically, what do you think we can do in terms of net new customer ads? You know, if we have the sales processes in place, what can we bring on board? And then the second question to ask is, if we're doing a good job of managing our client base and have the processes in place to cross sell more to our clients, how much do we think we could increase our revenue per customer? Now, if you add those two together, then I think you get a realistic total revenue goal. And what I've found, Tony, is if you can show reasonable conservative growth in total number of customers and in revenue per client at the same time, you can grow far quicker than you thought. In fact, if you just pull the spreadsheet out, if you go to, um, if, if you text revenue to 21,000, you can access our toolkit. And the first thing on there is a, a revenue growth planner that just, you know, says, hey, plug in your number of customers, plug in your, and figure out your revenue per customer, and then set a goal of say 12% growth in each one of those areas. And you'll see on that spreadsheet, you can double your revenue in just around 36 months. Yeah. But it, it takes like peeling it down a level and putting it on something you can actually get your arms around, which is how many customers do we have and what's our revenue per customer. I guess another piece to that too is the maturity of the company because younger companies in their um, cycle can grow at bigger percentages uh, before they finally level off at somewhere around, let's say, somewhere between six and ten percent, right? Right. I mean, you can't sustain twenty percent or twenty-five percent growth, you know, for forever because competitors, you know, they they're they're watching and they're like, okay, we can do that cheaper or we can get into that market too, and uh, all kinds of factors enter into it then, where you're not the only dog mm -hmm. in, in the hunt. Um, how do you? 
uh, one of the things that, that kind of caught my eye in some of your material, because I've always working inside companies as a growth advisor and executive coach on strategy and things of this nature, I've noticed that there, and also when I ran companies, there was a big tug of war going on inside the company, primarily between marketing and sales and production. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you are an expert on getting alignment around marketing and sales. How do you get those folks on the same page? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> just as you were asking that question, I was just thinking back to a meeting this morning uh, with with a client we're working with, and it's uh, it's it's a technology company in this case, and. Um, you know, the salespeople think about the world through the lens of sales. So they talk about the sales process. Um, the marketing people think about the world in terms of marketing and, you know, the whole um, process of, of inbound marketing and, and how do I, you know, bring leads on board and convert them to opportunities. And then the operations people um, think in terms of how do we deliver on all of this? How do we produce all of this? And so everyone's coming to the table with very different perspective and very different language. I find the way to align things in a business is very similar to the way you align things uh, with your car. You know, we've all driven our car when it's going down the road and one wheel's pulling to the left, the other's pulling to the right. And it really makes it hard to steer and it makes it hard to accelerate. Well, how do you align a car? Well, I noticed when I brought my car in for an alignment, they put it up on the rack and they got these lasers, but they're pointed at a dot on the wall and they're getting everyone focused on one thing. And that brings the wheels of the vehicle into alignment. Well, what's the one thing in business that can align sales, marketing, and operations? It's focusing on the client and specifically on the ideal client. So instead of talking about sales process and marketing uh, process and operations delivery process, we actually look together at the ideal client experience. What's the client experience through the entire buying cycle and the journey of being a client? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? Uh, what are they concerned about? What, what do you want to happen? And as everyone begins to focus on the ideal client instead of their area of specialty, and after all, the goal of a business is to bring on more ideal clients and sell more to them. If we get everyone focused on that, then all of a sudden the sales processes, the marketing processes, the delivery processes now come into alignment around, okay, how can we help that ideal client move through our processes with less friction um, and more profitability and, and more, you know, more conversion between the steps. And, um, you know, I just, I remember just right before lunch today, as we're recording this call, um, we're going around the room and I've got a, a sales, sales VP, uh, been a sales VP for a long time. And he said, Daryl, the lights came on when I realized this is all about the experience our clients have, not about my sales process. I need to get my sales process in line with our client experience. And if everyone can focus on that, things start coming into alignment and uh, we're finding that that is, is working in organizations right now. I like that a lot. So tell us about the law of exponential sales growth. Well, so that we've touched on the first principle of exponential sales growth, which is if you can get net new business number of clients and cross selling revenue per client growing at the same time, you can grow exponentially. But what I found, Tony, is most companies are usually good at one or the other. They're good at driving net new business 
or they're good at managing their clients and selling more to their current client base. And what I find in, in, in most of the clients we work with in the B2B sales space, they're really good at net new. Their salespeople can go out and find and land new deals. But when it comes to cross-selling, you know, they're just not that great at it. They don't have um, processes and capabilities in place. So if you can get both going at the same time, as we alluded to earlier, if you can get a healthy rate of net new going and get a healthy rate of cross-sell going, um, you know, you can double your revenue organically between you know, around a three-year mark for most organizations. But there's another factor in this that uh, is, is really the, 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 the fuel. I call it the fuel for your growth engine. And that is what we've been talking about is your ideal clients. You know, I, I love to quote uh, Mike Michalowicz. One of my favorite books he wrote was called The Pumpkin Plan. And it's how to grow large pumpkins. Mm -hmm. And in that book, he says, not all clients are created equal. And, you know, that rubs a lot of us the wrong way because we go, we provide excellent service to everybody. I get that. But the reality is there are some clients that are a better fit for your business than others. There are some clients that have the potential to buy everything that you sell. Uh, and they're a great fit for your organization. And what we find when we go in and work with companies is that usually when you look at those ideal clients and then you start to say, okay, well, what if that ideal client was 100% sold, meaning that they bought everything that you offer. Oh my. And we looked at that revenue over 10 years. Mm. And then in that, that, that's always a fun exercise. Oh, yeah. If you're listening, you can do that. You can hit pause on this podcast right now and just go, man, ideal client. If they bought everything that I sold over the next 10 years, the number is really exciting. It also puts into perspective how well you should treat those ideal clients. That's right. But if you contrast that with kind of your bread and butter client, you know, that is um, your average client, you typically we find that the ideal clients are 20, 30 X and sometimes more in revenue potential. So if you want to accelerate your revenue growth and most companies, especially the ones that have taken a hit with the COVID crisis need to accelerate their revenue growth focus on those 20x, 30x clients and creating the experience that is going to attract them and make sure that they move um, into being 100% sold. It's my experience too that it's a little easier to sell a client you already have than get a new one. It, it really, it, it is. I mean, ev all, you know, any, any common sense would say that and there's all kinds of data to back that up. But the reality is that most companies don't, do a good job of managing their ideal clients. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important as a very simple exercise to go, okay, you know, let's get the 80, 20 rule. It's in full effect in every business, I believe, by the way, good old Vilfredo Pareto from the 1800s nailed it and, and go, who are the top 20% of our clients and, and look and then go, okay, how can we structure this company? How can we structure our offerings? How can we structure, create this experience so that our ideal clients are, you know, just all in on what we're doing and want to bring their friends along with them. I and mean, this is really the key to creating, um, to accelerating growth and also creating the type of business you really enjoy getting up on Monday morning and going to work in. We're visiting with Daryl Amy. He's a revenue growth strategist. His book is Revenue Growth Engine. He's an expert in aligning marketing and sales and 
He's also an expert at helping uh, organizations fill the top of the funnel for revenue growth. Daryl, what what is uh, out there right now? What what's something the audience should know that I just didn't ask you or that uh, we didn't cover? Yeah, well, I will say that one thing that is is notoriously absent in sales and marketing is processes. Go in a finance department, you'll find processes for billing, collecting, receiving. Thank goodness, right? Go in a production or shipping and receiving department, processes, HR department, processes. Go in a sales and marketing department, and it's like the Wild West. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see the tumbleweeds blowing and hear the <laughs> eagle overhead, and, you know. And I think this is why companies really struggle in, in either net new or cross sell. They're, they're good at one or the other. They lean on their strength, but where you don't have strength, you need to put processes in place to make sure that, um, you know, in, in many cases, you're cross selling your ideal clients. So sales and marketing is an area where uh, I think most benefit, most businesses can benefit from adding processes. So it becomes predictable uh, repeatable, and it, you can't optimize something until it's a process, according to Gino Wickman, author of Traction. And I think, you know, putting processes in place is really critical for marketing and sales. And this is a good time to do that. Famous last words of a non-competent sales manager, just go sell something, right? <laughs> yeah. And marketing's not much different. Just go run a campaign, send yeah. some emails, you I know, just post need- an event. Just need some ideas. Give me some creativity. Yes. So process is something really good. And that's why I like bringing the operations people in the room with the sales and marketing people, because they can bring that process wisdom to the table. Great. We're going to tell you how you can find out more about Daryl and, and uh, I'm going to let him do that here in just a second, but I've got a standard list of questions. I ask every guest that comes on the show and we'll do these in sort of rapid fire succession. Okay. All right, let's do it. All right. Best memory that comes to mind for you? Best memory. Well, my most recent memory, I got to take my uh, now 16-year-old son out to the Grand Tetons, and uh, it was just phenomenal. That night, we were camping at sunset when two moose walk right through our campsite in the Mm. uh, National Forest. So how about that one? That's pretty cool. Who's the number one hero in your life? Number one hero uh, is going to be my mentor, Paul Barber, Um, just a fantastic man, uh, was uh, one of the first people to go overseas and set up a missions training center in 1971, the year I was born, Uh, co-founder of the Kingdom Missions Fund that I'm a a huge, passionate part of, and uh, just been an incredible encouragement and mentor in my life. What's the top value you subscribe to? Innovation. I have, a, I have six values. I'm a marketing guy. They all alliterate, but my favorite one is innovation. And I think that, um, you know, it, it is businesses need to innovate. Uh, people need to innovate. Nonprofits need to innovate. And, and if there ever was a time for innovation, this is it. So I'm going to put innovation out there, Tony. That's my word. Who's the most important person in your life? It's my wife. Uh, she is, she's, she is fantastic and she's a massive uh, cheerleader and companion. And, uh, I wouldn't be where I, where I am today without Leslie. What's, what's her middle name? Renee. Uh, Leslie, Renee, Amy. It's almost like she's got three names. names. (laughs) She is. She's a, she's a gem. She's a newborn photographer. She's an amazing artist. And, uh, in that, in that light. And, and it's just, uh, it's a joy to share life with her. That's awesome. What's your favorite thing? 
thing. I'm a gadget guy. Um, so I'm a, uh, well, I don't know if I'm a closet nerd. I'm maybe just a nerd. So anything tech wise, I love gadgets and I, I am, uh, my favorite thing is the latest thing that Apple made. What's your favorite food? Oh boy. Uh, it's my mom's cherry cheesecake. Most beautiful place you've ever been to. Uh, it's, it's, uh, well, the Grand Tetons is pretty close, but it's gotta be uh, Maui flying over the rainforest. So beautiful. It made me cry. That's awesome. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Impact. I think success is, uh, meaning that you're having an impact on making the world a better place. How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as somebody that made an impact. Uh, you know, my mission is to uh, help the world be better by helping great people and organizations grow. And so, you know, at the end of the day, beyond um, loving my family and, and being a great father and grandfather, I hope that uh, I'm able to, to leave a positive impact on the world. If you could go back and talk to a young Daryl, what would your best advice be? Uh, don't be afraid. I think the the young version of me stepped out into corporate America, and um, you know, there were, I spent uh, I spent a lot of uh, a lot of time just being anxious about um, all kinds of things. That now that I look back and go, why were you afraid of any of that? You know, so um, yeah, I, I think that would be the uh, the biggest thing is is don't be afraid, take more risks. What's your favorite sound? Ah, sound. I, you know what? Favorite sound is the sound of rushing water through. A, I love kayaking, canoeing, and uh, waterfalls. So, mm -hmm. uh, or in the ocean. And what's the best lesson you've learned? Oh, man, Tony, you got me there. Let's see. The best, you know, the best lesson um, I've learned, and the best thing that's helped me most in the in the latest season of my life is learning to. Um, learning that my heart is uh, actually a really important part of my life, not just my mind. I think I spent most of my life, I'm a pretty uh, intellectual guy. I, I like to spend a lot of time thinking and strategizing, but starting to realize that, you know, the heart, um, that part of me is actually extremely valuable and it's a very important component of my life. And so uh, my good friend, Larry Levine, uh, co-host of Selling from the Heart podcast has helped me realize that along with my favorite author, John Eldridge and his book, Wild at Heart. So those, you know, I think living from the heart um, has been uh, the biggest lesson or at least the biggest journey I've been taking the last decade of my life. I love me some John Eldridge, man. He's great. Yes, sir. So past 27 years, Daryl Amy, leader in sales and marketing, He's got a unique perspective on sales and marketing alignment and revenue growth. His book is Revenue Growth Engine. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who've really got a lot out of this uh, exchange that we've had today, Daryl. How do they find out more about you or uh, get in touch with you or enroll in anything you're offering right now? Oh, well, thank you for asking. You know, we've put, we're putting resources out on our website. And if you want to get access to some free resources to grow your revenue, just text the word REVENUE to 21,000, revenue to 21,000, or you can go to revenuegrowthengine.net and you'll find all kinds of resources there to help you grow your business. And while you're there, I'd love to connect with you as well. Daryl, listen, thanks for taking the time today. Tony, my pleasure. And thanks for all you're doing here on the podcast. This has been fantastic. You bet. Daryl, Amy, everybody. I'll have more on Better Than Before right after this. 
If you're driven by an adventurous heart, you're in luck. The Subaru Outback is all new for 2020. With standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus up to 33 miles per gallon. An available 260 horsepower turbocharged engine, advanced technology and an extra large touchscreen. Welcome to the best Outback ever, the 2020 Subaru Outback. Join us for the Subaru Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Better Than Before. As I said earlier, several years ago, I created this framework uh, to help me coach clients called the Eight Sides of Self. And the reason that I did that is because I noticed that leaders put the ceilings for themselves on themselves. In other words, they are the biggest determining factor on how high that they will rise. Consequently, organizations and businesses' ceilings are also determined by the leaders because they're in charge of them, and they are the ones who are determining their own ceilings. Therefore, the business eventual measure of success, or lack thereof, will be determined by the leaders' barriers to success. I created the eight sides of self to help leaders, my clients, break through those ceilings. Now, this is really important for us to understand because most leaders would like to be more successful. If a little bit is good, a lot more is great, right? They would like to see the people they are leading become more successful, and they'd also like to see the organizations they've either started, purchased, or been trusted with become more successful. So to get an understanding of how to better accomplish this success, today I'm going to share this coaching model that I developed called the eight sides of self. It's based on key areas that leaders need to examine and reflect upon for planning and personal growth. Now, looking at the upsides, the downsides, behaviors, and beliefs of a leader can empower them and escape the constraints which have previously held them and their businesses back. Here's number one. The first side of self is self-discovery. It starts with asking the question, who are you really? What's your identity? Looking at the authentic you, uncovering what makes you tick, what behaviors are most natural to you, what gets you energized. When you learn where you can win, you don't mind losing everywhere else. This is why we developed something called the personal leadership paradigm model. It's the best self-discovery model I've been able to come up with to help leaders discover themselves. And we'll cover that on a different day. The second side of self is self-evaluation. Now, this is just being brutally honest about your past performance. 
taking full stock of all the events in your life, both professionally and personally, and accepting your role in them and coming to the realization of where you are and why you're there. So you begin then the journey toward where you'd like to be and with the results you would like to have. A strong self-evaluation reveals areas where you need to strengthen and areas you need to avoid altogether in the future. Remember, if we want to be somewhere different, we have to do something different. If we want to be in the same place, we just keep doing the same stuff. The third side of self is self-awareness. So self-discovery, self-evaluation leads us to self-awareness. This is the moment-by-moment awareness of a couple of things. How you're currently behaving, and why are you behaving that way? Why did you make that decision? Why did you react rather than respond? Having this awareness gives you more control over the old program tapes that you may be running on. If you caught last week's podcast, Uh, You heard Rhiannon Reese talk about these deep self-limiting beliefs. They are all integrated into these programs. And raising the level of your self-awareness may be one where the greatest tools in a leader's personal transformation is self-awareness. When you develop self-awareness, you take yourself and maybe you've always automatically behaved or reacted one way. Now you can respond in a completely different, more productive way based on what the environment and the situation is calling for. Side number four. The fourth side of self is self-regulation. Now that you know who you are, you know your identity, you've performed self-discovery and you've performed a self-evaluation on where that's led you up till now, and you begin to develop your self-awareness, a moment-by-moment awareness, then you're ready to self-regulate. This is the ability, once you're self-aware, to adjust your moods or your feelings at will, when you want to, just like a thermostat on the wall, right? A thermometer tells you what temperature it is, but a thermostat can help you change the temperature of the room. It helps you regulate it. So your skill at self-regulation can do the exact same thing. As your level of self-awareness improves, your ability for self-regulation will develop and increase. And this causes you to be, you know, take advantage of more opportunities to think before you act. This doesn't mean that you're suppressing or faking feelings. It means you're being more authentic rather than acting on your automatic program. You can express a more accurate expression of your intentions rather than a hasty reaction. People with low self-regulation tend to overreact even when minor, trivial, or wrong perceptions occur. And a lot of times we call this drama. When they're in a bad mood, they brood about it, which makes it even worse. If someone is captive of their own emotions for too long, I call this an emotional hangover. And when they continue in that emotional hangover, they make bad or impulsive decisions as if that can break them out of the hangover. Just like athletes do, we need to practice in between challenges so we'll know what to do when the challenges arrive rather than just shoot from the hip and have the bumpy ride that life is throwing at us. So those four sides of self, the first four, number one, self-discovery, number two, self-evaluation, number three, self-awareness, and number four, self-regulation. 
I'll have the second group of the four in the eight sides of self on our podcast better than before next week. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the Lot to Love event going on right now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and you can follow my company at ClearVision DEV. On behalf of associate producer Whitney Coker and chief producer William Foster, I hope you're having a great week. I'm Tony Richards reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.